Welcome to the His Light and Life podcast with your host, Mark, who will be your guide to enhance, deepen, and enrich your Christian life. To turn your focus away from just getting by to walking with God in His light and life. back to His Light and Life. This is a fall part two, diving into the bushes. Last time we spoke, we were, I left off, we were talking about the fence laws, how the idea is if you have a command of God, um, the safest way to keep anyone from breaking that command is put a fence around it. I mean, you know, in a sense, I mean, Adam took the command of God and and when he relayed it to E, uh, to the female Adam, he put a fence around it. He added to the command. And the the addition that he made was that you shouldn't even touch it. Uh, there's a reason for that. Um, because what it does is actually it, um, it keeps people, it keeps the focus of the individual on themselves. When God said, when Jesus said, you've negated the word of God, let me read that specifically. Mark 7, 13, making, you've made the word of none effect through your traditions, which ye have delivered, and many such things you do. This was his one of his rebukes of the Pharisees. But notice that he says, you took the power out of the word of God. You made it of none effect through your traditions. And how that works and why the fence laws are so dangerous is because the idea is that obedience to God is somehow accomplished through self-ability. That you need to be able to, uh, you know, it's, it's like a demanded obedience. And it implies, of course, that there's something inside of you you know, willpower, carnal barriers, that somehow you can keep the command of God. And it promotes an inward gaze to self. The command of God is outside of you, but you have to look inside yourself to find some ability to accomplish that. We see a great example of this happening in Mark, Mark 9, 23, 24. We see a great example of how this is actually accomplished in the victorious side of it, where we see there was a, um, <clears throat> they, they were trying to cast a demon out of this person. And uh, you see this in Mark, it's in Mark 9, 23, 24. And Jesus said unto him, if the, they brought to him a man, he says, if thou canst believe all things are possible to him that believes. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help mine unbelief. The man believed, but he also knew that this by itself wasn't enough. He recognized that there had to come a power from someplace else. That the ability to accomplish the very thing, in this case it was deliverance of his son from a demon, it was going to require the power of God. And what a fence law says, and what you see with the Pharisees, remember we back going back to the knowledge of good and evil, the Pharisees, they relied on their goodness. They became very self-righteous. Jesus attacked that self, came against that self-righteousness over and over and over. 
because that's the other side of it. So you have the you have the murderous lying side, but you also have the sense of self-righteousness. And when you when you the, those who are self-righteous, they rely on their own abilities to accomplish this and not grace. Speaking to the believer today, speaking to the child of God today, and we're going to get into this continuously. You're going to hear over and over and over from me that the overcoming life is a gift. The overcoming life, some people call it the higher Christian life, I call the, victorious, the victorious Christian life, the overcoming Christian life, the abundant life. It is a gift. It isn't a certain class of Christian who through self-discipline, inner reflection, tons of Bible study and reading somehow enters into this position of being some super saint. That is not how it's accomplished. We're going to get into how actually the more commands you put upon people, the more demands you put on the individual, the more you will actually activate sin in their life. I couldn't count how many times, you probably know it yourself, children who were raised in God, very God-fearing homes and in a very strict environment. As soon as that child's old enough to live on its own, boom. They go crazy. I don't care how much they love God and when they were young, when they get older and, they, and the pa- it's within their hands to behave the way they want to, you're going to see a rebellion. And there's a reason for that. And we're going we're gonna to explain the depths a bit. For today, I just want you to see, though, that, that overcoming life is a gift. It's a grace. It's a flow of power. It's a flow of life that comes to you by the Holy Spirit, and it is based and founded upon the victory of Jesus' life. Jesus obeyed the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus then became a Lamb of God for you. He was slain. He shed his blood. He took our sins upon himself and shed his blood. He died and he was raised from the dead, and he's seated at the right hand of God. Now, when you look at Jesus' life from beginning to end, you see a substitution life for you. And fence laws are so dangerous. Additional laws, additional commands, or any look introspective look to self-discipline will pull you away from the grace of the gift of the transferred life of Jesus. The Christian life is an exchange life. It's an exchange life. He took your fallen, wretched, sinful life and he bestows upon you wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. It's an exchange. And that exchange comes to you as a gift. It's given to you out of the pure, loving, tender-hearted kindness of God. Pure mercy. Undeserved, unwarranted, and unearned. And it comes to you as a gift. And that gift is what we call faith. Now, true faith, I want to explain something. True faith, we hear a lot about faith. And we've mistaken the idea of belief with faith. The man said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Belief isn't enough. Faith is what's required. And true faith is not an initiation. True faith is a response. So let me explain that. So God gives a command, and in his command is the power of obedience. In his command is the power of life. 
In his command is the light. In his command is the victory. I want you to hear that. The command from God to his children is the victory. Because what is required is you to say in your heart, I accept the command of God, and that agreement with it, the command itself produces that victory in your life. It will produce it in your life. It's the agreement. Agreement. Have you ever seen somebody, you've met people? I remember hearing a story one time, and it was essentially, it was five prisoners. And this king had pardoned these five prisoners. And uh, so there was a sent, uh, there was a runner from the king's palace and he went down and he went to the first uh, prisoner and he said, the king has granted you a pardon. The man said, I don't believe that. Goes to the second, goes to the second prisoner, says the king is command, uh, the king has granted you a pardon. He says, no, I'm not worthy of being pardoned. What I did is too bad. I deserve to be here. He goes to the third prisoner's cell and he says, the king has granted you a pardon. And the guy says, you're a spy, right? You're one of my enemies. You've been sent down here so that I'll do something, believe something, and then I'll be killed for it. The, 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 the king's runner goes to the fourth cell and he says, the king has commanded that you be pardoned, pardoned of your crime. And the guy says to him, he says, oh, really, has he? You know, like, um, uh, you know, sure. Okay, great. Let's see. Let's see the piece of paper. And he hands him the piece of paper and he laughs and he tears it up, throws the pieces on the ground, says, get out of my cell. He finally goes to the fifth cell and he opens and he knocks and goes in and he says, the king has granted you a pardon. The guy leaps up, up off the bed. He's sitting on, he goes jumping up and down, jumping up and down, hugs the runner, says, oh, let me see it. Let me see it. Let me see it. He hands him the piece of paper. He's like, thank you, God. Deliverance has come. Thank you. So he's dancing around in his cell, gathering the few things that he has. And he says, let me out of here. They take him down to the warden's office or the to the guardhouse. And they say, shows him the piece of paper. And he goes, you're free to go. They open the door out into the streets. He goes, he's still with the runner. And he says, the runner says, oh yeah, by the way, there's more to it than that. He goes, what, what, what could possibly be better than this? I've been pardoned. I've been pardoned. I'm freed from jail. And he goes, oh no, there's much more. He says, you have a, you have, a, you've been granted an audience with the king. He wants to see you. And he goes, oh, okay, let's go. So off they go to the palace, off they go to the, and they walk in and the king, uh, you know, stretches forth the scepter. They walk up to him and he says to him, he says, he kneels down before him. He's thanking him profusely for setting him free, for pardoning him of his crime. And the king says, not only that, he says, I want you to live in my house. I want you to live in my palace as one of my guests. This man here is going to show you your place. Anything you need, you tell him. I don't care what it is. You ask him. He, you tell him. He'll tell me and it's yours. That's the Christian life. I've been saved long. I've been walking with the Lord for quite a while. And what I've met over and over and over is believers who are one of those five servants. They read the Bible and they walk away and they go, oh yeah, that's wonderful. Some others read the Bible and they say, oh, that was for a different time. Others read the Bible and they say, oh, you know what? I don't deserve it. I don't care how much it says I've 
been forgiven. I don't care. I really don't deserve it. And their introspection is always still self-doubt. And there's a few that enter into the overcoming life. And they realize that, you know what? The whole provision was on that piece of paper that said that my sins were forgiven. That my, that my sentence was pardoned. The king has said it. The king decreed it. The king declared it. And nothing can change that. There's nothing known or unknown that can change that. And that's the perfect illustration of what we're talking about today. And faith simply says, faith is that fifth prisoner that just jumps up, hugs the man, agrees with him, and thanks him profusely because that's exactly what it is. True faith, let me read that again. True faith is not an initiation, but true faith is a response. It's a response. So God had said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam looked immediately to his own strength and reasoned when he was telling the woman that if I don't let, if I tell her not even to touch it, she's going to be free from that. And that is the core of all religion. All religion is based and founded in self-reliance. All religions, I don't care what they are. See, Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a covenant agreement. Christianity is the edict coming from the king's palace down to you that says you've been pardoned. Come up to my castle because I want to talk to you. Christianity is a free gift from the will of the Father God to you. Your requirements are singular and your requirements are simply agreeing with that. Agreeing you're forgiven and agreeing in the, in the exchange life that that which is of God has been transferred on to you. Adam's fence laws were powerless against Satan. So therefore, what happened? Satan just continued his challenge. We read that in Genesis 3, 4, 6. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree was desired to make one wise, she took it, took the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Okay? So picture, before the fall, however, they needed nothing. Every single thing that they needed was available to them. And as I said before, if God had intended for them to have the knowledge of good and evil then he would have put it within them when he created them. Adam's choice, when he stood before the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he made a decision at that point to move in the direction of self-reliance. He diverted himself from the divine plan. He chose not to obey his creator, and he chose to chart a different course. And the different course that he charted led him into self-reliance. And that's what we see today. From there, every religion that we know has been formed. Every religion we know has been founded. And they're all based on this singular flaw of Adam. From that flaw of Adam, all the other religions and all other self-attempts, they all come. We want to talk about something that I just want to touch on it here. And this this is something that's commonly misunderstood. Is when Adam fell... Eve was tempted. 
But Adam stretched his hand in rebellion. Adam chose self-reliance. Adam chose to move in into a different direction. And Adam chose to chart a course that would be in rebellion of God. There's a great writer who says this, Adam's choice when he stood before the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, um, thus he would do something that he could extend his, in his own strength, his own personality, his own mind. God's intent was for Adam to rely utterly upon him. When Adam defected from the divine plan, he turned away and in so doing, all humanity was plunged into the abyss of independence. We'll pick this up next time. I want to thank you for joining me today on His Light and Life. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to His Light and Life. Do you have questions or want to speak with Mark? Please reach out using the email in the description. We'll see you next time on His Light and Life.